Amen. Good morning. You know, I was thinking in just preparation for this message today is, isn't it crazy how things throughout the years change? Like, the things that you used to do and I used to do as kids, and then now you get into the day and age you, we live now when we're older. Life changes, doesn't it? So many things. Like, um, how many of you had a wagon a wagon growing up. Can I see your hands? How many of you? Yes, a lot of you did. And a lot in the first service did as well. Um, now, listen, I grew up in the age before video games where kids actually played outside. How many of you are with me on that? Yeah, how you actually played outside? Like, you know, not in virtual reality zone, you know, go in the house and, oh, kids are running up the stairs. Wow, that game was just, uh, took, no. We played outside. We got on our bike and we rode through the neighborhoods all day long and got our exercise and it was amazing and dangerous and it was real life. You know what I'm talking about? Um, this is long before parents mandated helmets for bicyclists. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's right. We, that's the day that I grew up in. And uh, the other thing is, is, you know, parents wanting to encase their children in giant cocoons of foam. Yeah, I was before that day as well. How many of you are with me, right? Like, you know, the era where when you feel you got hurt and cried, you meant you had a little brain trauma. Who cares? I mean, we brush it off. And let's get going, right? Right? Now that the day, oh, we got to run them to the ER. You got a little boo-boo. And no, no, come on. Brush that thing off. But, but it's in the wagon. You put the stuff you really loved, and I really love, cool stuff, you know? Walk around being cool. I mean, you have your wagon. If you didn't have a car, it, you had a wagon. I mean, you know, that's awesome, and that was cool, but, you know, it kind of got to be a problem because, you know, when you went to high school, it's kind of hard fitting a wagon in, the, in your locker, wasn't it? I mean, you know, and so per the wagon is such a perfect metaphor. The wagon in your life represents that which is most valuable to you, which is most valuable to us. It actually defines you and me because it is so important because it becomes our identity. True. And we're going to take a look at a great gospel story today in Mark chapter 10. If you'll turn there with me, this story is found in three of the four gospels. In Matthew, this man is called young. In Luke, he's called rich. That's how some of us, we come to know the rich young ruler. And this guy basically has what all of us want. He's got money and he's got youthfulness. And Jesus interacts with him. In verse 17, Mark 10, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I really like this guy right away. As you look at this, I like him because right away he comes running up to Jesus. Obviously, he did know something about who Jesus was. He knew his pedigree. He knew something about how amazing Jesus was. He knew that Jesus entered and changed people's life. Oh, yeah, he knew that. He saw it. And now maybe still heaving a breath, and he exposes a piece of his heart wanting something that he doesn't already have, eternal life. And he wants, though, life after death. In verse 18, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he stops right there. 
He doesn't even get to all of the Ten Commandments, and we don't even know why. People can only speculate. I, I wonder if it's like, hey, yeah, I've been there. I'm a Jew. I've done them all, got them memorized. Stop there. You know, that's enough. Save your words. Just tell me what I need for eternal life. We're not sure what he said. But then he said in verse 20, teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Basically, what he's saying is, I am perfect. I've kept all of these commandments. I like the guy. I, but then it comes to this point he goes from likable to self-delusional. He could be very sincere. I have kept all of these. That's very sincere. But how many of you know you can be sincerely self-delusional? And that's what came at this point. Well, I've kept all of these commands since I was a little. Oh, come on now. Jesus looked at him, though, verse 21. I want you to see this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. In another translation, the New Living Translation, it says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. If you imagine Jesus at looking, looking at you, do you see the eyes of genuine love looking back to you? See, a lot of people don't. I've talked to people before. They, they see Jesus in a different light. But, but if you were just to sit knee to knee and eye to eye with Jesus, how would he look at you knowing everything about your life? People usually say, well, probably with the eyes of shame or, or probably with the eyes of embarrassment or the eyes of disregard or, or maybe indifference. Or you just fill in the word there. What if Jesus isn't who you think he is? What if when he looks at you, he is not mad, that he is not disappointed, but that he has genuine love for you. Not, not because you're perfect, because none of us are, but because he created you and he wants to draw you into a relationship with him. What if those were eyes of love? I wonder how our lives would truly be different if you and I journeyed through every single day knowing that Jesus looked at us with genuine love. I think it's a game changer, don't you? The confidence that we would live in a different way, that Jesus looked at us and he looks at us at every single moment with genuine love. No matter your background today, Jesus looks at you and me with genuine love. But then if you look inside of scripture, there comes a change and you watch the whiplash happen at this moment. Jesus looked at him and loved him he said, but one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. That's a tough one. Those are some strong words. And so we see spoken with genuine love, but what is Jesus saying? Go sell your wagon. Then come and follow me and you will experience the love that I have wherever you will go. Jesus didn't com comfort this guy with some easy answer to eternal life. He actually confronted him with the truth of sacrifice. Let's be honest. Nobody likes the word sacrifice, do we? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody likes the word sacrifice. Some of you are like, no, no, not another message on sacrifice. I invited my friends today. Come on, John, please. No, give, stop this today. No, 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 my goodness. But as we have gone through this series, series in the last month, I have decided to follow is, a, is synonymous with obedient sacrifice. 
If that's one thing that maybe you've heard through this, I hope that you have heard through this. There is obedient sacrifice that comes when we are a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I cannot be a follower of Jesus without obedient sacrifice. Amen? But what is a Christian? If you look at this, in our world, it is a neutered, impotent term. Globally, the the word is offensive and negative. It's lost its meaning because it's reduced to a level of just what people want to believe about who Jesus is. Some people hang on to it like a a Christian luck charm. It has no meaning. And by the way, I just want you to, as you look in Scripture, that you understand when Jesus asked people to follow him, he wasn't saying, follow me to become a Christian. He was saying, follow me, follow me to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, Christian is, yeah, we get that, and we put it in our terminology. But he was saying, I want you to follow me for one reason, and that is that you would be a lifelong disciple of mine and learn to follow me. You can't follow Jesus without sacrifice. Sacrifice is not a sexy topic to to teach on. It wasn't then, it isn't now, but sacrifice is one of the most important themes through all of the Bible. Listen, if Jesus didn't sacrifice his life for us, we wouldn't even be here. There would not be a church set on this property. Amen? But I want you to go back today, if you will, rewind with me back to the beginning part of the Bible, the beginning of God's story. Men sacrificed part of their manhood to display that they were God's people. Now, if you want some exciting reading, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 17, men, and read about circumcision. All right, that's exciting. Sunday afternoon reading. You got to look at this. Circumcision is the primary relational covenant between God and man. It was revered by the Jewish people. Circumcision was their ID card, if you will, in that day. How they showed it and when they showed it, I have no idea, and I'm not even going to go and talk about that today, but probably some awkward situations trying to get into the Tel Aviv nightclub. I mean, are you uh No, that's fine. You know, you know that's kind of crazy. Circumcision is sacrifice. I've got to believe that when Abraham first heard God talking about circumcision, he said, uh, what? Uh, say that again. Oh, oh my. That does not seem fair. Wait a minute, God. Let me, let me understand this. I get an incision with a blunt rock and Noah gets a rainbow? I mean, you know, that's crazy, right? I mean, that just doesn't make any earthly sense. Wait a minute. I get an incision with a blunt rock, Noah, rainbow? I mean, wow. How did I miss out on this one, right? I mean, really, you think about this. This is kind of crazy. Come on, God. Of all the ideas, you come up with this one? How about a pretty tattoo? No, 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 no. It's more than that. It's too feminine. I know. Have them cut some of their skin off. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. But where shall we cut them? Uh, That's it. That'll get them. Talk about sacrifice. Then we fast forward a couple of thousand years to the Jesus era where circumcision is still used to separate the Gentiles and the Jews. Then Paul, who wrote all, he wrote half the books of the New Testament, a circumcised Jew, it says, comes up and, and moves the cutting north of the belt line. 
And he says everybody needs to be circumcised in their heart. There is a change that happens. You go from the old to the new, and it moves it north of the belt line, and it says, hey, everybody now needs to have a circumcision of the heart. It needs to be a circumcision that takes place in your heart. The sacrifice part is the cutting. Cutting is the spiritual procedure that God wants to cut away the stuff in John Miller that is not making him follow Jesus. He wants to cut away the stuff in my life until I resemble Jesus. Simply put, that's what a disciple is, a follower. It's cut into the image of Jesus. So it is less John, cut, cut, sacrifice, cut more, Jesus. It's less pride, cut, cut, sacrifice, cut, more humility. It's cutting away, it's cutting away so that there would be more service. It's cutting away apathy. It's cutting away so that sacrifice would come and that compassion would come. And that's what sacrifice does. It cuts us into the image of Jesus. And being a follower, being a disciple, it would be easy if we could just go away with our wagons. And Jesus knew this when he was talking to this guy. He locked eyes with him. He loved him. It's tough to follow Jesus when you're being followed by something that is more valuable than who Jesus is. Please hear this correctly. Money is not the issue here. You can have money and still follow Jesus. It's the love of money that the Bible talks about and Jesus was referring to. And Jesus is not making poverty and philanthropy a requirement for following him. Jesus exposing the content of his heart, what is in the guy's wagon, which is ultimately revealing absolutely everything about his identity. Understand that Jesus actually wants this guy to follow him. He is not saying these things to separate and say, I don't want you. Jesus is saying, hey, this is what I need for you to do so that you would come and be my lifelong disciple that you're going to have to go away and you're going to have to get rid of your wagon. You're going to have to get rid of the things that you keep holding dear that keeps getting your way from following me. Understand that Jesus loves this guy. He says, sacrifice, then come back and follow me. So Jesus is saying with these eyes of love, I want you to follow me. I love you. I love you more than anything, but you love your wagon way too much. And those are the things that are getting in the way of our relationship, of us walking together. So go get rid of it and follow me. And watch what happens in verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. In the Greek, these words are meaning the, the fa- his face fell are actually the words to describe the, a sky becoming a storm. So you can envision this progressive darkening of his face that comes on him at that moment. What do I need to do to get this, Jesus? And he says, you need to go sell. You need to get rid of those things, and you need to come follow me. And and, uh, so there's a progressive darkening of his face. There is an inner storm that is happening. 
And this is what you've got here. This guy runs up to Jesus, hoping for eternal life, and Jesus meets him with sacrifice, and he walks away with a darkening of his face, with his wagon, overcast in the anticipation of a storm, so you can envision this progressive darkening. That's what we got here, and Jesus meets him with sacrifice, and he walks away with the darkening of his face, with his wagon, and recognizing how much his wagon was actually pulling him and this rich young guy exits the scene. He walks out of the story. He walks out of the dialogue with Jesus who absolutely loves him. And Jesus at this moment then, the Bible says, gathers his disciples around him, verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus illustrates the impossibility of doing this on your own by referring to the largest animal in Palestine fitting through a needle. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is way more valuable than anything that you can put in your wagon. You see, this perplexes the disciples in verse 26. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, who then can be saved? In that time and in that culture, if you had wealth, you were viewed as being blessed by God. In the Jewish mind, it was inconceivable that anybody with wealth would be a barrier to kingdom living. They're thinking, if this rich dude can't even get in, we don't even have a shot. What kind of kingdom is that your money can't buy your way into? You sense the confusion. Verse 27, and Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things, help me out, are possible with God. What seems impossible for you to enter into is completely possible with God because God is the one who brings us into his kingdom. You don't, I don't, but God does. In verse 28, Peter spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. It, it, it's possible to get in the kingdom. We've given up everything to follow you. In the book of Matthew, on this same dialogue, it says, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get out of it? That is such an honest question. That is such a human question there. What, what will we get out of it, Jesus? I mean, we're giving this up. What are we about to get out? You can almost see Peter's mind going, my, my parents were so mad when I left the family business. This is sacrifice following you, Jesus. I realize I don't smell like fish every day, but my parents are ticked off. This better lead to something. I, I've been listening to your stories, and they are just amazing, great stories, and your teaching is fabulous. And when you cast the demons into that pig, that was amazing. That was awesome. But there has got to be something more. This is not a good career move just to go around and hear you teach and listen to you. Uh, I mean, what's it going to look like? What are people going to say to me at my 25-year reunion? It's a conflicted. You know, if I could turn water into wine, I'd be drinking right now, Jesus. You know what I mean? This is a great story. Here's the answer, verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for me, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. If this guy had only stuck around to hear about 100 times, if he would have just stuck around and, and heard this, recognized that Jesus was saying, put the old you behind you. 
I've got a richness of life that money could never, ever buy. I can give you 100 times more life and money that you can't even hold a candle to if you will just come and be my disciple and you will just follow after me. Now, I am not big into math, but it's 100 times, not 100%. You know the difference. Would you rather have 100% of this or would you have, rather have 100 times? What would you prefer to have? 100 times. Smart. 100 times. 100 times. And here is the secret of what he's talking about inside of this passage. It is about sacrifice. That's it. The secret of that 100 times kingdom living is that is available to you and I now. He was talking to this guy on the earth. He wasn't talking to this guy in heaven. He was talking to this guy when his feet were planted on the ground. I've talked to many Christian people just like you. They're living a Christian life, but they're saying following Jesus, boring. Obedience, punishment. Faithfulness, drudgery. Trust is like circumcision. Sure, I'm a Christian. I have eternal life. But until then, life just feels like a bunch of do's and don'ts. I got my heaven card, but I'm going to live like hell right now. Why do people say that? Because they don't understand kingdom living. And let me tell you, I am not here to tell you I know everything about kingdom living because I don't. But I can tell you something, that it is a lifelong journey to find about the kingdom of God, why we're yet here upon this earth. Many people are just looking to learn about the kingdom in heaven. Well, listen, we're here and called to live the kingdom out while we have our feet upon this earth now. That is the Bible. That is the word of the Lord that he wants us to get. Jesus wasn't saying, follow me so that you can have eternal life when you die. He was saying, follow me so that you can have life now. Kingdom living is available now. There's so much more with kingdom living than just getting admitted into heaven. Does that make sense? It is way more than that because kingdom living is when the promise of the word comes into fulfillment. That when heaven meets earth, there comes a supernatural power of God that only he can do while we are planted upon this earth. That's kingdom living. And he's going to work himself out in us every single day as we allow that. You know, a lot of Christians, they miss the power of kingdom living now because they make their whole faith about just getting in and getting eternal life. But they don't experience the joy of the kingdom living that is available today. Make sure you hear this. The kingdom of God is at hand here now. Amen? I mean, this is the message John the Baptist preached. The kingdom of God is here. It's now. What are you waiting for? It's here. Jesus has come. He's come to fulfillment of the prophecies to make this happen. The kingdom of God is now. It's fully accessible to every single person in this room and in the sound of my voice wherever you are at in the world. So it's amazing. It's fully accessible. And kingdom living happens when we sacrifice and when we follow Jesus with our lives. Not when we lead Jesus with our lives. Big difference between following Jesus and leading Jesus. Amen? What do I mean leading Jesus? I watch a lot of people, they say, well, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. But really what they're doing is they're leading Jesus to their plans They're leading Jesus to their desires, and they're leading Jesus to their agendas. And they say, Jesus, please better me and bless me. And here's what I like to do. You know, that is not what Jesus' plan was and ever was for a life. Why don't you just, Jesus, Jesus, please just get in my wagon so I can just pull you through my desires and my plans and my agenda. 
I've got this handled. And they want to pull Jesus along behind them and say, wow, I got my, I got my ID card. I'm getting into heaven and here I go. But Jesus, you need to follow me and my plans. And when I look at scripture, that is never how it happens to follow Jesus. Never. So what will this look like today after you leave here and tomorrow? Because I'm not only preaching for your Sundays, I'm preaching for your Mondays today. Following Jesus looks like this. Follow plus sacrifice equals 100 times of blessed living. So how does it work its way out? So when I wake up in the morning and say that I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to follow the ways of Jesus until it messes with my world, which is every day. That you and I make a choice. Nobody makes it for you. You make that choice over your life every single day when you wake up. Whether you're going to decide and whether I am going to decide, I'm going to live my life for the kingdom of God here upon this earth. So I'm a follower of Jesus. And he says, John, forgive those who have hurt you. I don't want to. I'd rather seek revenge. Revenge is cool. Amazing, that's what I feel sometimes. Well, I can make an identity out of revenge. But I'm choosing to follow you, Lord. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sacrifice what I want to do, revenge. And I'm going to follow you to forgiveness. That's when he meets my sacrifice and he cuts me into the image of himself and I begin to walk in his kingdom. Wow. Following him. It's so important to know that. Um, um, it may come in the point of like, wow, those of you who are married, uh, well, what do I want to do? I want to make a passive-aggressive comment at my spouse because I know it works. That's what I want to do, but I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to love her. I'm going to love him the way Jesus wants me to love her or him. And they're gonna, it's my sacrifice inside of that I'm going to allow Jesus to cut me into the image of himself, and that is kingdom living. And I'm going to allow him to cut out the ugly stuff in me every single day. Oh, man. Yeah, have I fallen on my face on this? Yeah. Have I, have, have I not done it correctly? Oh, yeah, many a times. I'm not even going to sit here and tell you that th I've got this thing whiffed because it would be like the rich young ruler. Sincerely self-delusional. And some of you are say, now, I don't want you to go home today. And you say, well, you know, the pastor said, you know, you need to cut things out of your life. So you go home to your spouse and say, I, it's time. I got to cut you out, honey, because, you know, we're married. But the pastor, I got to cut things out. That, no, no, no. I am not telling you to do that because I will tell you, people try to leave here and do some weird things sometimes. We never said that. You need a circumcision of your heart to take place to get out the crap that is inside of you so that you can bring you and him or you and her together. Amen? Come on, let's not be delusional. Amen? God's called you to be with your spouse. Amen? God's called you to be in a lifelong relationship with them. I'm not telling you to cut that person out. Come on. Following him says, take the log out of your own eye before you notice the speck in the other pe person's eye. That's a rough one. 
Because many times it's just fun and easy to criticize. You don't have to be intelligent to criticize people. So you sacrifice, and to sacrifice, that I, what I don't want to do is I'm not going to criticize, but I am going to follow Jesus, and he meets my sacrifice, and he cuts me more into the image of himself and life in his kingdom. You can run this through any matrix of your heart and your life right now. What is it? What is it that's getting in your way? What is it that's keeping you from being a lifelong disciple of Jesus? See, when we come to that and we learn this kingdom living, that is not easy. Never, we never preach that around here. We don't preach an easy gospel here. This is a real deal. Anybody mature in the house knows it's hard living. Okay? not a life to be filled with complaints, but it's a life to say, bless God, you've given me the strength of another day to do your will and to serve you and do what you call me to do. And I surrender to you to follow Jesus. And when you do that and you come into alignment every single day, and then he blesses you 100 times more than you could ever find on your own, that is mind-boggling. So many people are in their own power today. Wow, I'm trying to make this thing work. Jesus said, oh, you're doing it the wrong way. You're working with percentages. I'm working in multiplication. You're trying to live your life your way. The reason why it's not working for you is because you've chosen that way. And God says, I've got my own math on this deal. I do it this way. And that is kingdom living. So kingdom living is available to you and me now. What about you? What do you need to sacrifice? Maybe some of you need to sacrifice a relationship that keeps getting in the way of following Jesus. It could be your career. I don't know. It, it's anything that's more important than Jesus and keeps getting in the way. Maybe you need to sacrifice that illusion of success that keeps coming up and popping up in your mind that you're going to, you, you know, all of these things. Uh, it's crazy. Don't let that get in, your, in the way of your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it is an addiction of any type that keeps you from following Jesus. Maybe it's the sacrifice of your ego. Jesus will meet you. He can, he can give you 100 times great habits that will enrich your life. Maybe you're here and curious about Jesus. You haven't followed him. You're just interested. You're maybe you're just here investigating him. And honestly, you, you're trying to figure this whole thing out. But, but that today you would start following. You can just begin the process of start following the persons, the teachings of Jesus. And watch what happens in your life as you become a lifelong disciple of him. Friends, you don't have to walk out of here today with your face drooping down. As the rich young ruler, the storm came over him. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. I all these things I worked for. I worked so hard. I, I mean, are you serious? And it is that moment the Bible said he walked out of the scene of Scripture. He left the dialogue with Jesus, the person that really could fulfill the deepest needs of his heart. I don't know about you, but. When I got into this thing years back, yes, at five years of age, I came to Jesus. I surely didn't know all the, what, it, what it meant to follow Jesus. But I, but I remember that moment, five years of age, on the edge of my bed in Ohio, where my mother led me to Jesus. 
And in that, it's just been a lifelong journey of, yes, just sometimes falling on my face and not doing it right. Sometimes thinking I was doing it right, and God had to show me, no, you're not doing it right. And you know, you're not perfect. But realizing through it, I've always come into this race in Jesus Christ and this journey in Him that this is an all or nothing thing. That, that this life in Christ, it is all or nothing. Because listen, you and I, you and I get to run this race once. We don't ever get to live this day again. Never. It is ours to be had. This is an all or nothing thing. Somebody say, wow, you're a bit extreme. When I come in here, you're just a little much. That's how I look at it because that's how Jesus looks at it. This is not an option for me. Right? And it doesn't mean we're doing everything right. No. But it means we're on the journey to do it for the glory of the kingdom of God because God, why you're calling us drives us deeper inside of you that we only get to live this life once and it's over. It's done. And Jesus says, listen, listen, right now you can have kingdom living now, kingdom living. Don't wait to heaven to say, hey God, I'm just gonna pick your mind when I get up there about kingdom living. Jesus said, you missed the whole storyline. The whole storyline is you can have the kingdom now. Yes, it takes the circumcision of the heart for every single one of us. We have not arrived. But listen, it is a sacrifice on the journey. It is a sacrifice. And we have to unapologetically speak that message and live that message because that is the message of Jesus. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales, England. And as a result of this, many missionaries came from England to Northeast India to spread the gospel. The region was known as Assam and comprised hundreds of tribes of villages. The tribal communities were quite primitive and aggressive. The tribesmen were also called headhunters because of a social custom which required the male members of the community to collect as many heads as possible. A man's strength and ability to protect his wife was assessed by the number of heads he had collected. Therefore, a youth of marriageable age would try and collect as many heads as they could and hang them on the walls of their house. The more heads a man had, the more eligible he was to be considered. And into this hostile and aggressive community came a group of Welsh missionaries spreading the message of love, peace, hope of Jesus Christ. And naturally, they were not welcomed. One Welsh missionary finally succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. And this man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all of the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man sung his reply, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Enraged at the refusal of this man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith? You have lost both your children. Will you lose your wife too? But the man replied again singing, Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to arrow her down as well. 
In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. And in the face of death, the man's son, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family, but with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some supernatural power behind the family. And I, too, want that supernatural power. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I, too, belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And now those of you that didn't know that have the rest of the story. Penned in our hymnals by Sundu. Sundar Singh years and years ago I have decided to follow Jesus now you know the story now would you be carriers of the truth of the gospel true followers of him and live kingdom living today you can do it with God's help